This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience. I am super pumped and excited because we have an amazing guest here on the show uh, this week. Um, his name is Alex Stern. Alex, uh, Alec is um, essentially um, what they call America's startup success expert. And let me tell you a little bit about Alec because Alec actually was one of the founding members for the company called Constant Contact. Now, for you, some of you listeners, you probably use Constant Contact. Um, I know that I did back in the early days um, of when I got into entrepreneurship, but I'm going to be talking to him a little bit about how he went from startup to IPO to essentially being acquired, I believe it was $1.1 billion, uh, which was amazing. And um, it's also been featured on various magazines, such as Influence Magazine, um, and Success Profiles magazine, which is amazing. Um, and I know the chap that runs that magazine is a fantastic guy as well, Brian. Uh, and also uh, has also been awarded the Visionary Award or Double Visionary Award for 2020. So um, by the way, just want to start off, Alex, uh, by, by saying uh, congratulations on all your achievements. Well, uh, Adam, so thank you so much. I really appreciate the, uh, uh, the kind words and the intro and, and the opportunity to speak with you. Awesome. So uh, I want to kind of jump into this because um, I've got some fascinating questions I want to ask you and it's really interesting. But, you know, 18 years ago is when you were part of a small team. There was you and two others, I believe, as part of the, the founding kind of uh, constant contacts thing, which kind of reminds me a bit like kind of when, um, you know, uh, when Zuckerberg built Facebook, you know, you know, and you built it in an attic and he built it in you know, the university and things like, it's kind of a similar story, right? Um, it's, it's really fascinating. But um, I, I wanted to ask you, my, my first question is all around, how did you, when did you first discover the, I suppose, the importance of email marketing and, and a system, you know, back, because 18 years ago is a long time ago, wasn't it? And I'd love, I'd love to find out what, how you found that discovery out. Yeah, so we're 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 twenty plus years because uh, the you know uh, back to the founding you know uh, if we if we take into consideration the acquisition of almost four years ago right um, and so so back then uh, at, at that time uh, there were enterprise tools uh, that were being used by Amazon and others for uh, you know for their sort of one to one personalization some of their uh, kind of email marketing was just kicking in and. Uh, there was uh, they had they had resources you know and, and staff and and help they had agencies you know and ad agencies and others helping them and and so the bigger companies had a solution mm -hmm. um, myself and, and Randy and, and Margaret the original sort of three we all previously had worked in helping small businesses in, in different ways but there was nothing out on the front end in terms of marketing so when you go down Main Street anywhere in the world. You know, they they were they there weren't really a, sort of these um, self service easy to use tools for small business mm -hmm. uh, at the time. SaaS did not exist, if you can imagine uh, dating, dating ourselves here. <laughs> um, 
And so, so the, you know, there, there just wasn't uh, that, uh, those solutions. And so, so, you know, we, we really set, set out initially to say, how do we level the playing field for small businesses against those big competitors? Um, and so email marketing was that, you know, kind of the first uh, sort of foray into that. And of course, a, a, a suite of products and services were made available over time. Um, but it was really uh, to, to provide them that opportunity to level that playing field. That's interesting. I, I guess you kind of saw the opportunity, saw what the big companies had that the, the small, the little guys didn't have kind of uh, effectively, right? Correct. Correct. Interesting. So, um, I mean, I mean, you, you were in that company for, I think you said 18 years, right? I mean, there must've been a lot of, uh, growing pains as such, but in terms of like the very beginning, right? I mean, where did it start? Did, did I mean, did you did it start with a beta product? Did you start by doing research? I mean, what was the uh, initial process behind that? Sure. Yeah. So it's just important to note kind of uh, what we had and didn't have at the time. Hmm. Uh, when we started the company, uh, we didn't have a we didn't have a product. We had a PowerPoint and you know with, with some messaging around what we're thinking of doing. We didn't have a business plan. We had an executive summary. We didn't have any funding. We didn't have any revenue. We didn't have any employees, no customers, no success stories, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but what we did have was, you know, a passion to help small businesses. And so we, early on, well, you know, um, you know, uh, Randy and Margaret on the technical side and Randy, the original, you know, kind of founder with a, with a tech technology, uh, if you will. Um, and we wanted to figure out, okay, what, you know, what's, do we have a solution in this to help small business? And are you saving money, you know, um, saving time or increasing revenue, you know, as just some of the examples of how you help, help, uh, help your target market. And so we wanted to not only increase revenue, but, but we, when we went out there, you know, I went out and, you know, sort of interviewed and talked to small businesses and asked them, what are their goals? What's their vision? What are the things that they're looking for? What do they want more of? What don't they have that they need? And so we've got things like, you know, I'd love to stay top of mind with my current customers. You know, we'd love to drive more revenue. I'd love my customers to come back in and, and, and do more with us. I love uh, new customers, you know, et cetera. And so once we learned what the, that they were looking for, then it was basically our positioning back to them and saying in our value prop, if we could provide you a self-service, easy to use tool, you know, that allowed you to do those things, would that be of interest? And of course they got wide-eyed and said, yeah, of course. And so then it allowed us to, you know, sort of begin with that premise. And so we started working on the product. It wasn't complete. Uh, you know, I always, you know, we always uh, run into startups and we're in stealth mode. I got to put it in quotes, stealth mode to, uh, to just keep close to the vest and don't want to share the idea and afraid someone's going to steal it and this and that. But we had to go out and we had to talk to some of those small businesses, learn, learn what they uh, were interested in. And of course, then uh, position you know, the value prop of what we we're going to provide them. A self-service, easy-to-use tool that was reasonably priced that allowed them to just uh, do three, you know, the three things that they had to worry about. Mm -hmm. What do they want to say? You know, who do they want to say it to? And when do they want to send it? And the rest would be taken care of. You know, they didn't have to worry about HTML and graphics and, you know, the cut, like, but like they could drop in, you know, things, colors and graphics and so on, but not have to worry about the technology or anything. It was all sort of under the covers. Um, and so when, when we went out and we showed them, you know, what we were, what we were working on and we were doing, they were excited. So as we start, started to build out uh, sort of the, the, the beginnings of the offering, then it, then it was a question of going and get it in the hands of customers. 
And so like I always tell startups and small businesses, don't go to people you know, uh, don't go to family, don't go to people you've done business with before, go to total strangers to get brutal, honest feedback. So got four folks to take the product kind of early on, and we got our brutal, honest feedback when it bugs were, they found bugs or it broke or, you know, they, there were features they didn't, that they really wanted. Uh, and that was great. That was just helping us frame exactly what we needed, hearing it directly from our target market. And so we were able to continue sort of working on it and bringing, bringing out the product, you know, uh, to that initial sort of group of, of our target market. Hmm. How, did you, um, how did you fund the project? Was it on like a shoestring-based project? Or what did, what, did you go to the bank? I mean, how did that work? Uh, well, we, we all didn't take salaries, and we, we were uh, sort of self-funded, if you will, and, uh, and in, in creative ways to you know, get the things we needed. Um, you know, we were scrappy. Like, uh, like, you know, you need to be. And, you know, I just remember we needed, uh, we needed monitors and, you know, computers for the engineers that, you know, we were bringing in some interns and some other folks. And you know, I just tapped somebody who was a large distributor at the time for, for, you know, those kind of those, you know, systems that we needed. And I just said, hey, do you have any, you know, scrap or you know, kind of used things that we could borrow? And so next thing you know, we got 10 new systems showed, showed up on the doorstep. And I'm like, is this a mistake? Like I thought we'd just get something you know, that you didn't need anymore. You're, you're ready to sunset it and want to just borrow it. You know, he said, just, no, that's, he said, I called, you know, I called, you know, we do a lot of business with them. I called the, called the vendor and we, we shipped you some new stuff. And wow. so in the end, just to finish that story, uh, they, he wrote it off and let us keep it. But, but we, we were lucky. We just, we went around and tapped, you know, our, into our network to find, ways to solve some of the problems that, that existed to get going. Like we had Fantastic. to be scrappy and, and weren't funding ourselves. And, you know, that which, which was its own, its own challenges. Um, when you, you know, you kind of, I've, I've done, I did, I've, I've been involved with eight startups, either founding team or co-founding constant contacts, the one that most knew, knew. So I had a few others prior and then, you know, mm -hmm. some after, but, but the key thing was that, you know, we were, we were all in, we, we loved the idea. We were passionate about what we were able to, to we were able to get going with and then saw, saw the, our target customers excitement with what we're working on. And so it, so that gave us the, uh, I guess the, the fuel to go uh, when, when there was not going to be sort of money in hand <laughs> initially. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. In terms of like the growth though, was it like, I mean, what was the curve like? Was it like a straight curve up? I mean, how, how was the curve? Was it like bumpy and roller coaster ride or what? Yeah, so so um, I guess the you know I guess it would be a, a flatter version of a hockey stick initially. <laughs> uh, so, so it's not at I think a forty five degree angle, but it was you know a little little bit a uh, uh, little uh, less less in degrees. Um, and so so initially, I mean, it took us a couple of years to really kind of get our arms around exactly what we we're doing. We got those four customers sort of on board. Uh, we started to bring in a few, a few other folks who were soft circling some money, you know, mm. to, for, for actual investment. Um, and it was around the 18 month mark or a little bit later, we started taking in money, um, you know, from, from the outside to, mm. to um, uh, 18 or roughly 18 months or so. But, but then, you know, within a couple of years total, mm. you know, that's, that's when we started to get it in the hands of folks. Um, there were some shifts that occurred like, um, SaaS came became available. Mm -hmm. We're one of the first SaaS offerings out there. Wow. Uh, one of the first, the first two on the IBM platform, and we're case studied as a new SaaS offering for small business. And 
so that, you know, there was just a lot of things that sort of worked in our favor shortly thereafter. Um, you know, when we, once the, some funding kicked in and we brought in some other folks to, to help us not only on management, but also on development and some of the key areas. And then we started going. And so, so that first year of revenue, um, I think it was, uh, four, 400 K and then it was, uh, uh, or 600 K then it was 1.2, uh, Four four point eight, roughly doubling, uh, kind of annually, uh, uh, and then it started to kind of grow from there. Um, and and so one of the things you know when we when we started you know in the go to market you know as I said we had those sort of four customers which we were able to get some references out of and, and kind of build case studies you know mm. those four. And and when we started we were hundred percent channels. We had partnerships, alliances, strategic partnerships, uh, just channel partners that had access or were in front of our target market customers of the very small businesses on Main Street. Mm-hmm. And it was through them that we were getting exposed in. And, and so our strategy for scale and the secret sauce was being 100% channels. Uh, we didn't have the funds yet to be doing our own marketing and to drive our own uh, business. And, and it was too early for the, the kind of referral effect where someone telling someone else or they see, see someone using something and they like it too. When your base is really small, when you go from one customer to two and double, it's not doesn't have the impact. And and then you know if you wow those and you create excitement with those two people and they tell two others, you go to four. Mm-hmm. Like it's slow, it's slow going. That flywheel is slow going. Channel strategy is slow going. Um, and so we just needed some time for that to sort of catch up and then you know be able to sort of take off from there. Uh, so well, these very, like, very very strategic. Yeah. Were these like strategic partners or were they kind of like strategic alliances? Because I mean. You know, I mean, what was it like, you know, you mentioned about um, people that have access to maybe entrepreneurs, were they types of people and then you give them like a kickback? I mean, how was that? Yeah, so, so, so the, the, this could be its own show. Uh, <laughs> it's because, you know, just my background in, the, in, the, in several of the companies prior where we had success, the chan- channel strategy was the answer for scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was here as well. So, so this is... I don't want to just keep it just solely about constant contact because this has been proven and tested through multiple mm. successful companies where there's been other IPOs and acquisitions as well. Um, but the key thing in, 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 the, in the channel strategy was uh, where is your target market, target market uh, hanging out? You know, we heard early on that you know, no one sells to small business. No one's walking down Main Street. You know, the answer is not hire another, sale, another 100 salespeople. You know, and so channels allowed us to get in front of our target market and they, those come in all different sizes. And, and I always challenge folks, um, you know, there's at least 15 channel categories mm. that, that you could find within sort of your business of where your target market's hanging out. The one we all share is, is uh, association and member organizations. So every, everything that you're doing in product or service, there's the association of the member organization of mm. local, regional, national, international. Um, they're, they're also... Uh, meeting up with networking and other things. And if you can get out there and get in front of them and and share best practices and some thought leadership and show them how the target market could, could, could succeed at growing their business, they're all ears. And they'll get you in front of those, in front of the the target market. So that's just one of like 15 categories, but, but they're big ones and small ones and there's local and, you know, there's trusted resources that walk into your target market every day and help them with things. In case of small businesses, it's 
you know, uh, uh, marketing consultants, marketing agencies, small business consultants, web developers, PR and communication firms, et cetera. There's a whole slew of ones that are in there and can influence a small business around decisions they make to advance the business with things like, you know, like, uh, like marketing. And so, so uh, initially, you know, to, to the point that you raised earlier, we were, in, we were new in the space. We were new to a small business. We, we were in the 15% of new companies that like Uber and Facebook and Airbnb and so on that are different, unique, hadn't seen before versus 85% of those the businesses out there are just, just so creating something. It's already there, but they're, they're executing it better or tweaked it to be a better product or service. And so when you're brand new, you're, you're first thing you're doing in marketing, when you are able to do your own marketing, so when we had the funds to do so, is you have to do category awareness. Teach them about email marketing, self-service email marketing. People challenged that and said, well, hey, they have an inbox. Everyone has an email account. What do they need this for? And there was a lot of differences, as we all know, using a, a formal tool for email marketing versus your inbox, and which is, again, another another longer story. <laughs> the, key, the key thing is that, that um, you know, uh, the uh, uh, getting, you know, sort of getting, getting to that target market to understand the category, we ran the risk of competitors, you know, riding on our coattails and getting, getting some of the marketing leverage of that. But once we did category awareness, then we moved to brand awareness, or, you know, and, and, and we're able to promote constant contact specifically in that case. And, and it's, I've also seen it in some of the other ones that, that I was working on as well. Nice. Very cool. Um, so, I mean, you had pretty good steady growth. Just out of, would you say that because I I noticed that with a lot of companies, especially with startup companies, is they when they have got something like a great product. I mean, you're talking like a, about a great product, whether it be technology or whatever it might be, is that they go through these cycles of very fast growth. I mean, I don't know if that happened to you, but you know, it's a bit like um, uh, um, there was a. If we look at uh, WeWork, for example, they went through huge growth and, and, and it caught up with them so much that actually a lot of investors ended up pulling the plug on their investments and stuff like that. But did you ever kind of really, um, was you ever threatened with too much growth and how did you control that growth? Yeah, I mean, there were, there were some uh, you know, uh, fast, growth bring, fast growth brings several challenges. Mm-hmm. And, and some are, you know, you get ahead on the expense before you're going to see the revenue. In the case of some of the, the well, the example you just used and others like it, where they they really poured a lot of money in to to to, to grow fast, mm-hmm. and so that's good. And you know, we, we at one point we were taking in funds uh, uh, to also invest in, and even uh, after going public, we 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 announced that for several quarters we were going to invest more back in the business for growth mm-hmm. than turning it profitable, cash flow positive and profitable. And so you know, you get some time to be able to do to do that. Um, and so, so there are those grow, those growing pains, and I think some of the areas that we sort of don't think about, um, but they hit us, is things like culture. So imagine if you, you know, and a fast growth spurt, you bring somebody in, you train them, and they're all excited to do their day job and their individual computer, and six weeks, uh, individual contributor, and six weeks later, you know, you're talking to them about becoming a manager, and then. <laughs> Six months later, they're managing, managing, and like you know, like you know, this this happens. And so, how does the culture and how does this um, passion and uh, to help small businesses and and delight the customer and all these things that we lived by? Mm. How do you make sure that that's assim- assimilated in 
with everyone. So, so there are other sort of factors that kick in that, that need to be taken into consideration with that fast growth. And, um, and it's really, you know, can you manage it well? And so, so, and do you have a path to be able to get the revenue to catch up? Um, and so, you, you know, you get a pass and you're allowed to do that and, and people accept that both, you know, externally in the industry and, you know, depending if you're private or public, it's who's really watching you. Um, when you're pro- when you're private, it's your you know your shareholders or your investors or you know the venture capitalists that maybe put in money or angel investors. And when you're public, then it's you know obviously shareholders and the analysts in the industry and folks that are managing and watching those. So so you know you have to live into that um, and be able to to catch up and 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 show that you're in fact going to there. There will be that turning point of of where revenue will exceed. Uh, you know, sort of that expense, and 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 you're and you will go cash flow positive and profitable, and so on. So fantastic. Um, I was going to say to you actually because uh, I know that a lot of our listeners who are entrepreneurs and business owners, and you know, and and, and I respect that everyone's on their all different paths and different journeys and things like that. But preparing a company for an IPO, I mean. Tell us about that. What was the preparations behind that? Because that must have been a headache, and that must have taken things to a whole new level. Yeah. So, so you know, and um, I'm, I'm the, this part of the story, I would say, that, um, in a lot of instances, and in mine in particular, you know, we learned to stay in our lane, right? So, mm-hmm. so we brought in a great management team. We brought an amazing CEO early in the cycle when we were first raising our initial funds. Um, we brought uh, Gail Goodman in, who became our CEO and stayed right through IPO and right through acquisition. And so we had an amazing management team. We had the right folks on the finance side of, of this, CFO and so forth, where we were putting in a lot of the, the um, you know, the rigor around systems and, and reportability and, 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 and li- there's, you know, different standards here in the States that you have to, you know, adhere to. And, and we, were, we were doing all of that prior to the, the, the idea of going public. So, so the event of going public to us didn't mean, oh my God, drop everything and change all systems and fix this and do that. You know, we were we were smart about having the right people around us to to get a lot of those lined up. Lined up. So, so there wasn't there wasn't a, um, a big change. There were some changes, obviously, and 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 the biggest thing when you're you know when you're at that point, you have to be managing expense and revenue equally. Like a lot of times, we're just let's just. Let's, we'll just spend, 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 and we'll grow that revenue. Eventually, you know, you're on the hook to, to manage metrics more, more uh, gets more rigor than you would for private. So there was a lot of things that we had that had to be in place and, and continue once you do go public, you know, then, then the public eye is on you. Uh, and, and now you have, you have shareholders out there and, you have, and you're responsible to perform. So, so we had a great team that, that uh, really worked through all of that. Um, and, uh, I got to stay the course on creating new pockets of opportunity and working on all the things that, um, so I was sort of an, uh, entrepreneur, if you will, uh, entrepreneur inside, just kind of finding new things to just keep expanding on the, on areas to grow the business. Fantastic. Um, just out of curiosity, I know that, um, some of the mistakes that I see with a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs, um, is exit strategy. How important is it to have an exit strategy? Do you need one? And is it important to have one at the beginning? Yeah, so, so when you say making mistakes in terms of exit strategy, then that means that they had one and it didn't work, um, <laughs> right? right? So, 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 so I would just say to somebody, you, know, you, you have to have your three-year, your five-year vision mm-hmm. and what's your ultimate goal um, and more importantly, your intentions because intentions are actions you know, and goals you know, uh, 
um, you know, the, the, they're sort of sitting out there, um, you know, the, that where the, um, you know, it's just really important to, to be able to uh, see, have a line of sight to what you're focused on and what you want to, what, where you want to go and what you want to achieve. And you got to step back and say, what are we doing today and all day? What are we doing to get us there? You know, and celebrate the sort of the things that you're doing today that are moving you closer to achieving that. And I think what happens is, you know, I talk to a lot of startups, you know, and they're just getting going and they're, and they're saying things like, well, you know, I, uh, I envision that, you know, we'll, five years we'll be sold, we'll sell and we're going to sell for X. And, and it, you know, without, you know, and, and how many clients do you have? Well, we, we're, we're just in beta now and, and we're going to be releasing soon. And so I love the, love the vision, but, but, you know, how are you going to get there? How are you going to scale? How are you going to do these things? And, and I think, you know, back to the, you know, the, the mistakes, I guess the mistakes that get made for where maybe that exit doesn't occur are all in control of, of any startup. And if you, if you're, if you're methodical about your, uh, all the things that you're doing and, and things are driving you toward that goal, you're going to hit it. And if, if not, you won't. And, and so a lot of things kick, kick in that, that are stuck points and blockers for why, a startup doesn't go forward or doesn't maybe hit that goal. Um, and, and, you know, there's, there's just so many places of where there, there could be points of failure that, that are completely in control of that startup. Yeah. I think industry standards tell me that, uh, and I think that this is the same in the United States as well. Uh, and in Europe, by the way, is that 80% of businesses fail within the first three years, which is a shocking statistic by the way, but I mean, just out of your, uh, from, from your opinion, why do you think that the stats are so high? What is it that people do wrong when they start up a business? Yeah, and so, so a lot of those are regist- new registered businesses. So I think there's a difference between someone who's a solo opener or maybe wants to open up uh, mm-hmm. you know, a business for someone who's, who's starting, starting uh, you know, let's say, a startup with the intentions of, of an exit, right? So... Mm-hmm. A lot of people are starting businesses to, to have them be family run or to provide for the family. And, um, and so, so there's all kinds of things that you, we could say as to why, you know, why they may, they may fail. And, uh, and, and a lot of times it's, um, it's, it's decisions made. It's um, what they, the directions that, the, that they're taking. It's uh, running out of money. You know? so, so when, you're, when there's lulls in a business or, or there's other market conditions like we experienced today, that are that are um, kind of working and putting pressure on that business, you know. Then it does take sometimes does take money to to, to continue market to c- continue to market, um, but more importantly, just staying in touch with and and engaging with your current customers because they're your best prospect. Mm-hmm. They're going to tell others and do things. And so, so I've been coaching a lot during this the, these the market conditions of what's happening today about you know what are you doing to engage with the and wow your customers today. You know, and, and, and like we're, you know, we're kind of in a situation now where everyone says, well, we got to think outside the box. And my answer is that that box is gone. Like what, can I, what it's going to look like going forward. It could, it could be a cylinder. It could be anything. I don't know what it is. And whatever it is, we got to figure out how to get in it and, and, and how to think outside it. Like, like we don't know what that is, but, but, but now's the opportunity for everyone to be working in the business. I'm sorry, on the business, not in the business. Yeah. So the strategic part of it. And I think we get caught up in the day-to-day. So a lot of times it's just like, okay, we're on the hamster wheel working day-to-day and the business is going okay and, and it's just moving along. And, and you might be on a plateau and not really seeing a bigger picture or something adjacent to what you're doing that might, 
move you to the next plateau or, mm. or further to get you toward that goal of success where you're driving enough revenue uh, to have some profitability and then be able to have freedom to do more things with the business because you have that revenue. Now, take if you actually go and start a new business, you know, and you want to be an entrepreneur who's going to take something forward with a plan to have some sort of an exit, you know, you might have a different strategy uh, and, and kind of um, starting up and the things you need to focus on. But I would just say in, in that category versus, say, like retail business and some other small business centric, you know, um, your landscaper and plumber and electrician and you know, majority of the businesses are ones that are starting to do other services versus starting a new you know, company as an entrepreneur to grow, a, a, create a new product or a new software service or a new SaaS application or whatever that may be, or a new widget, create, you'll build a new product for consumers. All of those things are a little bit different. And I think there, you know, there are some challenges that they face and, and some stuck points that, that are pretty consistent that they have to figure out how to knock down for success. That's cool. Um, I was going to ask you, um, what was the, what was your best and worst advice you'd ever received when you first got into entrepreneurship? <laughs> best and worst <laughs> advice. <bro>. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I've gotten so much. I don't have to really think through on the, which would be the, uh, the, the highlight reel and the low light reel, I guess. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so so I'll just I'll tell you uh, some have turned into some of the some of my mantras towards success. So I'll just t- touch on that this way. Um, um, you know, we all experience a lot of no's. We get a lot of doors shut and a lot of no's, especially in the earlier days. You're shaking your head. You've been there. Uh-huh. And so 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 um, imagine imagine we're building a brand new category, something new for small businesses. We're going out and we're talking to you know, advisors, mentors, you know, invest, potential investors, you know, some customers, customers got wide eyed, but others are saying no one's, no one's, um, sells to small business except for big company. You're going to need tons of salespeople. You know, no one's going to use, you know, email, email marketing. No one's going to use email marketing. They have, they have an inbox, you know, they all have an email account. Like what do they need that for? You know, I mean, I can give you all the kind of the excuses of why not and the no, and so my, my mantra has always been a, a no means not now. And so by that, I mean that, that it's just timing. And mm-hmm. so when someone says no to you, it's just timing. And if you cultivate that relationship, you'll turn many of those no's into yeses. But it just wasn't the right time for them. Or, or maybe they, you just caught them when they weren't really getting their head around what you were saying. And, mm-hmm. and so this is why anytime I'll get on the phone or to talk to someone or I'm going to go meet them, I'm like, is this still a good time? You know, do, do you have time for us to, to, to dive in and talk about this now? And I've walked into some potential investors and they're like, you know, we just have some, we just had something blow up in the portfolio that we really are kind of, you know, got to get our heads around. I'm like, would you want to maybe reschedule? I'm totally fine to come back. No, that would be great. Like, you got to make sure that the mindset is there to want to listen, you know, and not like, oh, I, I, I feel obligated to talk to you. And that's why I'm going to let you, you know, continue with this meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... So, you know, I, I would just always take those no's and convert them, you know, into something, um, into, into something positive. And I think the second one really relates to um, kind of accomplishments or, or successes, right? So, so you have a small win. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might make a great phone call uh, or sort of make a call and it's a great call. And so, you know, most people's reaction normally would be to kind of just rest on that and, and um, you know, and, uh, and, and celebrate, right? And so 
my mantra there is that accomplishments are something to build on, not rest on. Mm -hmm. So if you have that great call, pick up the phone and make another call because the energy that you had from that first great call is going to carry through the second call. And then you have a third call and a fourth call. And at the end of the day, celebrate. And so build on that, build on that momentum. And, and we often, we often, um, you know, if I, if I take a minute on this, we, we often lose sight of, of putting our best foot forward. So, so sort of the third thing wrapped around what, what I just said is um, look big, act big, become big. And then another, another mantra of mine. And this is around perception. So in the earliest days of your business, I'll ask an audience, show of hands, how many of you um, have an email address that Gmail, Yahoo, Hotmail, if you're much older, AOL, you know, AT&T, whatever it may be. How many have an email address for your business, you know, you and your business that ends in Gmail? Mm-hmm. And 30% of the hands go up. My first point to, to them is how serious will anyone take you if you can't spend $5? You have a domain, you have a website or even a landing page, but you can't spend the $5 or, or whatever it is. I don't even know how many pounds that would be. <laughs> <laughs> a, lot, a lot, probably. Uh, but, you, you, uh, you, but you can't even spend that to, to brand your email address. Like, they're not going to take you seriously. No, I mean, basic things like that. So brand yourself so that you look, look, look bigger. Mm-hmm. Acting bigger is things like, for example, we're all going to get on a call. So, you know, if I were calling you, Adam, to talk about how we might work together or how we might partner up to, to do more together. And if we're going to have these short conversations. Twitter and other things taught us to quick snippet answers, quick, quick little texts, quick little emails. You know, we're all used to that. But you need to put your best foot forward. You need to look big, right? This is about your branding you and the business. So I would suggest you create five slides. And the five slides are real simple. Who we are, you know, what we do, what makes us unique, what our customers are saying, and how we might best work together. You know, five quick slides. It's branded. It looks good. And when we get on the call, I'll say, Adam, listen, I um, I know we're uh, we, we're going to chat about how we might work together. I put a few slides together to frame the conversation. Do you mind if I lead the call with those? You're going to say yes. You always well, maybe you won't, but everyone says yes. <laughs> Come on, man. Let's absolutely. Let's, okay, perfect. So then I would show those five slides. And then you look professional and it looks like it's not your first time calling someone like that, that like you as a possible strategic partner. Um, and then when you're done with the call, you create a PDF version of it and you send it. So I'd send it to you. You could share it with others. You could review it later, kind of re- recall what we talked about. And then the next call is with you and your team. And so I would say, again, you know, I, I had created some slides. I shared those. Not, I'm sure some of you saw them, but maybe to just level set for everyone. Do you mind if I go through those? You know, so with everyone to just talk a little bit about kind of the framing of the conversation. And the answer is always yes. So you own these calls. You put your best foot forward. You look professional. Mm-hmm. And so all of these things will drive, and there's more you can do, but all of these are to drive you to, to becoming professional, right? If you act it, you look it, you will become it. And so I just see so many startups that are just so, so uh, they're just not buttoned up in a lot of different ways. And so, you know, even just down to presentation, like, you know, maybe put on a t-shirt that doesn't have a lot of holes in it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe put on jeans that, you know, I know the fancy jeans have pay for the rips. Maybe think about just changing the look just a little bit, uh, you know, and, and so again, it's all perception. Like these, you know, I've had so many when starting a business, 
when we had three in an attic, we went to our first trade show. We worked it. We had branded shirts. We looked great. We ended up getting the, the best of show. You know, we worked it. We've, I, they had the name of all the judges on the website. I sought them out in the aisles, chatted with them, said, hey, by the way, I don't know if you had a chance to come over and see Scott's contact, you know, come on over and worked it, worked it, worked it. And we got best of show and got a certificate, you know, for, for, for it. Um, and so, so again, it's just, you know, and everyone's like, God, you know, you guys look, you look so, you look big, you guys are big, huh? You know, you look so real. I'm like, you know, we're bigger than life. Yeah, me, myself, and I, bigger than life. <laughs> so those are I just a couple related to what you had asked. That's okay. fantastic. Um, what I was going to say, I want to ask you one final question because I know we're conscious of time, but um, I know that there's a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners, and even startup companies that are thinking, hey, so I need to go and get funding for either an angel investor, a venture capitalist, or an investor. What's the best way to approach these people? Sure. Yeah, so that, uh, I just... Um, Actually, on my website, I have a blog post on this very topic. Um, uh-huh. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> great, great question. And I wrote this in time for the question. So <laughs> great minds, great minds. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so, so it's really about finding the right investment, smart investment. And so, so uh, mistakes are made left and right. So the minute someone hears that someone's an investor, and this happens to me all the time because I'm a limited partner in G20 Ventures here in Boston doing tech investments. I'm also an angel investor. I've done several things. And also created an innovation think tank where we're, we, we've co-founded three companies that we've spun out our own. And so I'm, I'm in the mix in all of it, wearing all the different hats. And so someone will say, blah, 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 investor. Oh, let me tell you my idea. Mind if I pitch you my idea? They just start pitch, pitch, pitch. And so, then, so the first thing is know your audience. Like you need to understand like, yes, I'm an angel investor, but what areas do you focus in on? And, you know, can I help you, you know, maybe find, maybe I can find some other businesses you know, or I might know some businesses that you might be interested in possibly investing in. And if there's alignment, then you say, you know, I happen to be in the space that you're, that you're playing in. I would love to tell you about my idea when, when, when convenient. Mm. And, and so they may sit right on the spot, you know, kind of give me the elevator pitch or, Love to, you know, let's exchange cards. Because you know, if you're at a networking event, you know, someone wants to lock in like, okay, you're an investor. I'm going to hold you right here until I, I get the answers I want. We're going you. nowhere. You're not going anywhere, right? And it's like, you, wanna, you, you got to be respectful and know your audience and know kind of where they are in, in this process. And so, so it's really important to know the, know the audience. The second thing is that um, if you're doing your research, go find firms that that have invested in businesses complementary to what you do, uh, you may see something that they've done something competitively. Mm-hmm. And if it's a long time ago, you know, there may be still a fit, but otherwise they may say, look, we're going to bow out just because we're working on something competitive. Sometimes you don't learn of that until you're in there. If you get, if you really get into the sweet spot of who you should be talking to. So, so go do your research, go look at the partners, go look at their, the companies they've invested in. And then find a warm lead into the partner within the firm who sits on the boards of the companies they've invested in. So there might be five partners in the firm and one is focused in, in the exact area that's complementary to what you're doing. You need an intro to that person. And if you go into your network and LinkedIn and other things, within two degrees, you're going to find somebody who knows that partner. And instead of coming into the firm, sending an email to their on their website and have some analyst or somebody look at what you're you know you're doing and say, sure, why don't you come and you meet with the analyst and the analyst brings it to a junior partner, to a part of, you know, you could save yourself a lot because ultimately you need a partner to sport sponsor 
you know, the idea to bring it to the partner meeting to say, this is one we should look at further or we should potentially invest in. So you want to find the right people. And the last thing is you really need to understand where they are in their cycle. Are they in a ready to write a check uh, cycle? Are they at the tail end of their fund? And all the money that's still left in the fund goes to the past ones they've invested in. So it's follow on money. Are they in the middle of raising the next uh, fund? And when, when will they be open to start, you know, taking ideas to want to invest? And so some will say, I want to meet you now. Like, well, let's get the, if we can strike up the relationship, but we're not willing to invest for the next six months or a year because we, of where they are in the cycle. So if you both know that, you're going to have that meeting. But we walk in blind, and usually we're talking to someone who doesn't invest in anything like we have, and so you, they're courteous for a little bit. If you, if you were a warm lead in, they may scratch their head and say, why are you here if, if you know what I do and it doesn't match what you're doing? A little confusion here. Um, so, so once you've qualified all of that, and so this is a little bit of a longer answer, but it's really important because once you qualify all that, the thing that you avoid is, say, the, anyone, anyone who's an investor wants to invest in me. Mm-hmm. What happens is you go to several people and you get no, 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 no. Then you get to the one who ultimately is perfect and says, have you talked to others? You said, oh, I've talked to these six firms. And like anyone interested in investing? No. Then a red flag goes up. And, it's, and then the red flag went up for the wrong reasons. Now, now that, all that said, you can go to people that are, are possibly not even in the sweet spot. If you have a warm relationship into somebody, then ask, can we take, would you take a meeting to just hear our pitch? I know I'm not, I'm not here to uh, look to raise money, but I would love your feedback. And so I've used several venture folks who are really senior and, and, and are great where I could go in and get their feedback. And the result of that is like, you know, I, th- I could think of a couple people this might be interesting to, to hear, uh, do, you mind, can I, do you mind if I connect you to a few other people? I'm like, of course, I would love that. So, so you could use that to your advantage, but it also means you didn't pitch them and get a no. You pitched for feedback, and that's a little bit different, and you can get some great feedback. And in fact, last point, one company that I was uh, going to raise funds for, I went to pitch someone to, give, to get feedback. I didn't want their money. I just really wanted their advice. And in the end, they invested. So, so I, which I never would have expected, but they wanted to stay close to me. They wanted, they, 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 they liked the idea area. They hadn't really worked in a lot prior and they, and they wanted to invest and they did. So, so you just never know, but you got to be smart about it. It's interesting. You kind of use people as guinea pigs and they don't really know it. Right. And it's like, Hey, yeah, I'll invest in you. Not knowing that actually that was the intention anyway. <laughs> well, no, but in that I truly was looking for feedback. I, okay. I didn't want their money because they, because I, I didn't see that they invested in stuff like what we were doing. Right. And I really did truly want someone to give us some feedback on the pitch and our, our executive summary and the basic things we had. Mm. Uh, and it was, wasn't with the intention of getting the money and, and they, they loved what we were doing and said, yeah, we want to, we want to invest. And so it was shocking and surprising in a good way. Um, but I would have taken that feedback and then they, you know, potentially have gotten intros into others or it would have at least given us some rounds of feeling comfortable pitching in front of a, uh, a VC, if you will, mm. and get that feedback to get ready for the, the ones that will, will, will potentially invest. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I mean, listen, this has been a fun, great conversation, Amanda. We could talk for hours, right? 
Let's do it. <laughs> go time. Come on. It's go time, man. Trust me. Guys, listen, I hope that you uh, have been enjoying mine and Alec's uh, conversations around uh, startups and, and things like that. I, personally, I think there's some, some amazing insights and tips that you guys are going to get. It doesn't matter where you are in the journey because I think that actually a lot of the things that we t- you know, he's teaching him right now is that it can be applied in a lot of, in, it, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah. There's, there, uh, these things are sometimes it's a step back if you're already kind of underway to just, mm. just say, are we really doing blocking and tackling and do a lot of the basics? And for somebody new, these are, these are things to think about. You know, we, we, we just cut, we kind of covered a little bit of ground around, you know, the areas of just getting out there, getting, getting to in front of early customers, you know, getting feedback, you know, and then uh, honing your idea to what someone wants and, and then your messaging when everything follows the go to market strategy. We touched on several things that can really make an impact. And, um, and again, getting out of stealth mode and, and sharing your, your ideas. So, yep. There's Love, a lot it. There. Love it. So guys, listen, I hope that you've enjoyed our conversations on the game changers experience. Um, if you would like to connect with Alec, by the way, on social media, what is your best social media channel, by the way? Well, so just being in uh, digital marketing, I have uh, I've played in all of them, beta tested all of them. Uh, so I've been there, been there from the early days. Um, the best thing is to go to my website, which is Alec, A-L-E-C, Speaks, S-P-E-A-K-S, AlecSpeaks.com. Uh, you can learn more. You can see kind of what I'm up to and, and there's other stuff there. And all my social links are, are there for depending on what, what their channel of uh, social channel of choice is, uh, they'll, find, they'll find many. Awesome. So I um, hope that you've enjoyed our conversations and make, just, make sure that you listen into the next amazing episode of the Game Changers Experience. We'll see you soon. Take care. Have a fantastic day. Bye-bye. Hey, you guys. I just want to say thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the Game Changers Experience. I hope that you got some amazing value, some great insights and golden nuggets that you can implement into your business straight away. I would really, really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review on the button below. Have a fantastic day, and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care.